a father's journey from heartache to hope, autism advocate. Join us in this emotional chat with Brad Meschel, father, autism advocate, and founder of Jacobs Audible. From grappling with his son's autism diagnosis to launching a nonprofit, Brad's journey is inspiring. Learn about his epic 444-mile walk along with the Natchez Trace Parkway, I hope I said that right, promoting autism awareness. As he preps for the third annual event, let's rally behind this cause. Tune in now. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be, but we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent, or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. Let me share a little bit about the guests we have here today. Originally from New Orleans, Brad Meschel built his career as a corporate trainer at the Cheesecake Factory before moving to Nashville in 2017. After marrying his wife, Jamie, and welcoming their three children, including autistic son, Jacob, Brad founded the nonprofit Jacob's Audible in 2022. As the executive director, he provides resources for parents of autistic children. To fund the nonprofit, Brad walks 15 miles daily for 30 days along the 444-mile Natchez Trace Parkway every April, earning him the nickname the 444 guy. I am so excited and pleased to welcome Brad. Hey, Brad. Hey, April. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on today. My pleasure. I'm fabulous. And I'm excited to share this conversation with you. Now, you have to let me know, did I say all of those right? Or am I far (laughs) wrong, including your last name? And I apologize if I did. Not at all. Um, The Michelle you hit right on. It's me and Shell. Uh, Natchez, Natchez Parkway, Natchez Trace Parkway. So it's more of a Chez than a cheese. And then (laughs) if, and then to go back 
when you're from New Orleans, it's all one word. It's mm. New Orleans. Yeah, even though it should be pronounced New Orleans. If you're from if you're from there, you were born in the city. It's just New Orleans. Yeah, all uh, all all in one verb. You can tell that April is not cultured in these areas. <laughs> so I'm so pleased for you to to help coach me on that because uh, you know when you when you learn a show and you you speak to so many different guests, there's there's a lot to learn, and so I appreciate it always. Well, let's get started because I'm so excited again to have you. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show. It's an honor to have you here. Now, Brad, let's share with the audience a little bit more about you. Let's have them get to know you. Thanks, April, once again. Like April said, I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, born and raised in the city. And if you're from there, or if you know someone from there, it's a very unique upbringing. Uh, it kind of describes my, my demeanor, my energy, my passion. A lot of people from the city are that way. Uh, as I as I grew older, um, dad, you know, one of my I'm a daddy's boy. A father, you know, my father was a, a very big influence on me. He was a jack of all trades, knew knew a little bit about everything, and I, I took that into my career with the Cheesecake Factory. I started out in Denver, Colorado. I was I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I just I landed in Denver, not knowing what I wanted to do. Uh, walked in the Cheesecake Factory, started serving, moved my way up to you know, trainer management, and then started traveling around the country, opened you know, numerous stores around the country, uh, new restaurant openings, got to travel, uh, made a lot of, you know, made a ton of money, spent a ton of money um, all the way through my 20s. It was kind of a, you know, just a single knucklehead uh, doing whatever Brad wanted to do. And then about, it was my mid 30s, I, I, I started to realize that I wanted more. There was, there had to be more to life than, than the way I was living. So I reached uh, deep down and started searching for my spirituality um, in my 30s, which really made a big difference in my life and just changed my path. And and when I moved to Nashville from San Diego at the time uh, on faith and fate, everybody asked me why I chose Nashville. I actually got to Nashville before the uh, before the big boom. And when I got there, I still once again was just putting the pieces together. But as a better person this time, uh, deep in my spirituality, and through that path, the, uh, you know, Jesus led me to my wife, uh, led me to a family, um, led me to my beautiful daughter and my, now my two boys, Jacob and Jackson. And it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a great story. I hope to, uh, I hope to tell it one day. Well, this can be part of that journey of you telling it. I think that it's really cool. And, you know, as you share your story, Brad, I hear that you, you had this this fun time, this partying time when you were in your 20s, and then mid-30s is when you start thinking more, okay, what's what's more than this? It's the the spiritual aspect of us as, as human beings. And so bringing that into your world, what was that like for you at first, and what kind of things really uh, were pivotal moments for you during that? I think a lot of it is selfishness. I, I consider myself a very selfish person through my 20s. Uh, it was all about Brad. I always had faith, I uh, believed. I always believed, but I, I didn't truly understood what it meant. You can have faith, but to be faithful is, is mm -hmm. two different things. And so when I, when I learned 
what the difference was is when I really started to make the changes. But I often tell anybody when they ask if anybody knew me in my 20s, which I still have a ton of great friends that have even reached out to me and said, wow, Brad, I'm really impressed with what you've done with your life because I knew the old Brad. But to really understand and and let go when they say, you know, you let go and 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 let, you know, God guide your path. And that's what I did. So when people reach out to me and ask me, Brad, how did you change? I said, I didn't do anything. I just let go. And so that's when I really started to see the difference is when you stop trying to control your path and when you stop trying to control your journey and just and just be guided uh, by the spirit, I think that's when I saw the changes. And when it becomes about other people and, and not about you, um, it's really easy to find opportunities to serve. <laughs> I always, I always got nervous about whether I needed to make up for the bad things that I had done in this life and mm-hmm. find things and find things to do. But it, you'll be surprised how easily things come to you uh, with opportunities to serve. Uh, you make a really good point there. I, I mm-hmm. like that very much. And you know, you you mentioned something and it, it's surrendering. And that is one of the hardest things for us to do. I know, at least on my journey, it's been one of the most difficult things to allow is to <laughs> surrender and, you know, let go and um, kind of take the, the, the hands off the, the wheel, so to speak. And it it, it is just challenging. And I think especially for parents. And so you have really created this nonprofit surrounding parenthood and your children and the servitude towards that. And I know that, you know, you and I have spoken a little bit about the journey with that and why you came, uh, why this came about. But the journey, though, the, the the story behind this is really what the powerful point is and how you felt as a father and the struggles behind that and the challenges. And, you know, again, going back to maybe that surrender piece of of allowing things to to just be in your life. Absolutely. And it, to go back a little bit, it was kind of a roller coaster as far as that surrendering, because it was very difficult. Uh, it was a little, it was, I mean, lack of better words, it was, it was kind of scary. Uh, mm-hmm. I was a little concerned with losing the old bread. Uh, it, it was all I knew. But when I, when I started that path and, and found my beautiful wife, Jamie, uh, quick little funny story is when she asked me out, I told her I wasn't ready. I, I was working on myself just doing tremendous work on Brad. I didn't want to bring in a an outside influence or someone that I knew would influence me. She was she's tall, she's gorgeous, and I, and I knew from my past that this was my you know anything that would come you know in my direction that way may may derail what I was what I was trying to accomplish. But the spirit knocked on my shoulder and said, "I'm giving you this opportunity, so you better take it." <laughs> Uh, so I, so, so when that, when the spirit led me to Jamie and I took it and I'm a, and I'm a very, very smart man for doing that. But so the roller coaster begins where. Well, I have to, I have to stop you on that because I just okay. have to say in relation that you and my husband have a lot in common when that, you know, and I haven't, I don't meet too many people, Brad, that, that share that where they say no to someone 
uh, in, in a relationship, even though you know that it, you know, it's going to feel great in the moment and it's going to take your mind off of all the issues and the problems, right? When we step into a new relationship, it's exciting. And for somebody to be working on themselves so much that they can say, not now and not yet. And it's, there's something very attractive about that as well, you know, for, you know, women and both men, because it shows that this person really cares about themselves and their self growth. And because of that, you know, the relationship has a, a much higher outcome, of course, if you're the person also who is into working on yourself. But I just wanted to chime in on that because I don't meet that many people who have gotten to that point in their life where they are very intentional about their self-growth and development. So that's cool. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And and we talk about it. We're five years into our marriage and we still joke about it. And she she kind of tells some friends and things like that. She's like, Yeah, he told me no, and all you know, different things like that. Yeah. And, but but I finally it was my birthday that that next year where I finally said, Okay, I'll let you take me out for my birthday. And once we went out on a date or two, I was I was this is the one for me. And now I'm chasing her. So <laughs> after five, after five years with Brad, I'm chasing her now. Uh, it's funny how, it's funny how that works out. But so the roller coaster part goes into when we first got married, uh, we were, I was 40 and I never thought that I would have kids, just the lifestyle that I was leading, uh, who I was as a person, kids were just not in my, you know, even in my far future. And now that I was 40, I, I, I had a sense of urgency. So I, I felt the selfishness coming back and Jamie and I had spoke about children and we, we planned, but didn't plan, uh, got pregnant right away. But I noticed that when we got pregnant and, and we found out it was a boy, uh, that selfishness of Brad started coming back. It was, it was the heir to the throne. It was, uh, it was my boy coming. He was on the way. And it was, I was all about, I never missed an appointment. I never missed an ultrasound. Uh, I made tons of videos. I wrote him emails and all these different things to just, you know, to get ready for his birth. Uh, I decorated his room. I'm a big New Orleans Saints fan, who that? And I decorated his room, not in baby blue or balloons and elephants. I actually decorated in football decor. It was black <laughs> and gold, which didn't go over well with the in-laws or anybody else. They're like, oh, that's not a baby's room. I'm like, this isn't a baby. This is my son. And he's on his way. And and that that was so I felt that selfishness coming back. And I thought it was as as we get more and more into the story, I thought it was in a good way. I thought that that selfishness was was what I was supposed to feel now that I'm married and I have a boy on the way. But mm -hmm. as 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 we'll see as we go forward, that selfishness will 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 rear its ugly head once again. Oh, you know. You were nesting. That's so great. <laughs> I love it. And I think that's fair to say for, for men too. You know, it's just, it's that part of us that when we have our child coming, you know, we want to, to prepare and make everything perfect. Um, I was pretty insane when I had my first, I had everything color coordinated yep. and, you know, like the, the room was perfect and the wallpaper was so, and it was like, it, it was pretty crazy, but I, um, I like to call that nesting and, you know, it gets a little uh, less 
spent less uh, crazy, I would say, um, as you have more children. And I don't know if you would relate <laughs> to that. Uh, you know, and the first one is like you, you, the binkies, right. That they have, that they suck on. And, um, with your first child, it, it drops on the ground and you're, you're washing it with soap and water and you're making sure that it's perfectly clean. And then, you know, then they can have it back after it falls on the ground. And then the second one, you know, use some hand sanitizer or something. The third one, you wipe it on your jeans and, you, you know, like it's, That's it. It's crazy the progression of of parenthood and and walking into that. So um, I think that, that that's super, super natural to me. And but it's interesting that you say it's that selfish piece of you and and you know, viewing it as that and reflecting on it as so. Well, I'm curious, Brad, how did that, you know, did it serve you or or disserve you? Well, at the time, I thought I was doing all the right things. Uh, like, you know, and I love what you shared there because I do have a two-year-old, Jackson, who, I mean, we, we eat cheese balls off the floor together. It's, <laughs> it's, it's no big deal. I, I let him climb on stuff. I don't really pay attention to him like I did Jacob. Uh, I really, really coddled Jacob from the day he was born. And I mean, almost until now. But as, as when he was born... Uh, you know, huge celebration, uh, you know, 2019, 18. And it was a, it was, you know, almost miraculous for me, because once again, I never thought or imagined or could imagine that I'd be in this place. And I just, I thanked the spirit, I thank God, I, I was just overwhelmed with joy. And then as, as time went on, Jacob was, you know, three months, six months, nine months, my wife, who Jalen is my stepdaughter, I got Jalen when she was 10, and she's now 16. But my wife had had a child. So when Jacob was about six months to nine months, old, she started seeing some different things, some things maybe not typical of, mm -hmm. of Jacob's behavior. And, and when she she started to see those things, and she would say those things to me, I, I almost got angry. And, mm -hmm. and I told her that I was like, No, he's fine. I was like, that's that's Jacob. It's just what he does. That's his, that's his style. That's his, that's who he's going to be. It's no big deal. And, and the one thing I remember specifically was the eye contact, uh, during diaper changes and certain things. He didn't respond to his name, uh, at nine months. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it was, it was those little things, but not being a father not knowing and not having a child, it was, it was strange to me, but I, I was definitely not going to admit that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, what, what were some of the other signs that you saw? Because I, I don't actually know. So I think it's really interesting to know. And I think it's helpful for the audience too. Like, Brad, what are some of the signs that, that parents should be looking out for? Like the ones that you noticed. And I really appreciate the vulnerability of, I was getting upset with my wife because she was saying these things and I was brushing it off. Like, don't worry about it. This is, this is my boy, you know, that's very common and, and easy to go to, you know, where we get defensive of our child and we, we don't want to allow anything, you know, out of the ordinary or indifferent. You, that's not a reality we want to accept. Never, 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 never. It's, 
and like I said, it was it was surreal to me. The whole everything, the birth, and and I can't stress enough coming from the path that I came and getting to that moment. There was nothing that was going to derail that. There was nothing that was going to stop this glorious moments for me. But some of the things, and my wife's incredible, and she's even though I was angry once again, that was that was an issue with Brad. Is she's such a good mother. And she's very, very in tune with every little detail. And when she saw those different things, uh, like he wouldn't play patty cake. He didn't look at us when we would change his diaper. He would just kind of be off. I mean, you'd shake a rattle in front of his face and he wasn't, he wouldn't look at it. He wouldn't even notice it was there. Uh, I think there's milestones that they, certain children should hit at nine months, 12 months, a year and a half and things like that. So when Jacob was supposed to have 10 words, he had one. When Jacob was supposed to have 20 words, he had two. Mm. So those are the type of things that we noticed uh, right away in that first year and a half. But the ones that my wife was really trying to convince me of was the not responding to his name, not responding to any noises or actions that a normal child or a typical child would 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 respond to. And I didn't really notice that till I had Jack, uh, what the biggest difference are. Yeah. And Brad did, and you had the normal testing. I mean, nowadays they, they test our babies for like everything. They test the hearing yeah. to make sure everything's okay. So he had already gone through all of these tests. So it was really more of a, what is going on here? Yeah. And that's the thing too. I was like, you know, he, he was, he was tested, right? Everything's good. He hear his eyesight is his ears, uh, blood work came back fine. We even did the genetic testing, uh, early on in the pregnancy for two reasons. My wife recommended it too. She said we could find out the gender sooner than later so that I was all, I was all in on that and all that, you know, all that came back fine also, but it, it's just, I mean, I'm putting myself back in that place. And I, I just, I now, and I have Jackson, I, I, I totally understand what my wife saw, but it was just those subtle things. And, and what we encourage parents to do is don't do what I did. Uh, if you see, yeah, cause if you see, if you see any, any of the slightest things that, that you may not think that's typical, or maybe just seems a little, a little bit, you know, different then you should, you know, obviously always get an evaluation, uh, nothing, it doesn't hurt. Um, it's just like, if you think that you have a cold and it turns into the flu, then maybe you should go get it tested. You know, it's the same type of thing. If you know, as a parent, you, you know, better than anyone else instinctually, you'll know if, if something's a little bit off and if it is, then definitely, definitely, uh, step in and get, and get your child evaluated. Yeah. Did you feel like, cause you talked about instinctually, you'll know, do you feel like you knew, but you just weren't wanting to admit it? I think after, I think after the year mark to a year and a half, I, I was giving in a little bit more and more. She was, she was really still adamant. And then I was like, Oh, he's, he's just on his own pace. So Getting back into it, you you were talking a lot about just what it what it feels like as a parent to have an autistic child and and the conversation around that and all the feelings and not really wanting to accept it. I know that I had spoken with you uh, previously about this, and one of the big points that that you and I were discussing is that 
when you're in that, that position as a parent, it's like, it's, it's this form of identity, uh, as a parent where you, you feel that your child should be this perfect human being, right? That because we created them, that they have to be perfect on all levels, which many of you parents know, especially if you have older children is not possible because we learned that our children are on their own soul journeys and, and they have to experience life in whatever capacity, whatever way it is in order for, for them to really bloom and grow into beautiful human beings. But you struggled with that initially, as would any of us. So let's, let's talk about that. Our lives were never the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast, and my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. And that's when it goes back into April. It goes back into that selfishness because when Jacob was born, once again, there was Brad's expectations. And that's the word I like to use. It was expectation. As you know, as a parent, we can't do that. But early on in my parental career, there was an expectation. Uh, Jacob was going to be a football player. Jacob was going to go and score the big touchdown. And dad was going to be in the stands cheering him on. And when he turned, I remember when you start seeing the different things. And I promised my wife at, I think it was two years old. She made me promise her. She said, if he's not hitting the milestones at two, then we're going to get him evaluated. And and I agreed at that point. And so when he turned two, uh, it's really when it sunk in. Um, I started looking up autism a little more uh, deliberately and mm. 10 top, 10 top things that your child may be autistic and I'm check, 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 check. Mm. I, I think it was nine out of 10. And every time I checked, every time I read, I would just, I would scroll up a little more to look at a different article. And, and if that article described Jacob, I'd scroll up some more because I wanted to find an article that said, oh no, those things are typical. And mm. I never, I never found that. Uh, I never found that article. So we got him in the therapies, but still didn't have a diagnosis. So I think at that point I was still, no, this isn't real. This isn't, this isn't Jacob. Jacob's going to be who I say he's going to be right. Or who I, who I intend him to be, uh, where things are going to line up because I've been a good boy is how, is how I described it. I've changed, I've changed my life. This isn't going to happen to me, and and I'm going to make sure of it. And that's that's where I was at that two that two year mark. That's kind of that's where I remember I was. Yeah, I, I mean that that makes a whole lot of sense. 
Yeah, it's it's one it's it's denial with a little bit of maybe <laughs> at that point. It's it's I'm starting to lean that way, but I'm also starting to to look into solutions. I think what yeah. I love to tell dads, I talk to a lot of fathers and and dads one and I appreciate you saying this earlier. Dads have a problem I have a problem with vulnerability. I teach dads to be vulnerable. I also teach them to understand that we don't have all the answers. Uh, we dads think we can fix things. We can fix anything. And there's times when you can't. Uh, and then ultimately those expectations of our boys, especially our boys, uh, there's just, we have to, we have to let go at some point. And now that I've gone through this journey, I've learned so many lessons with that and, and how, I, how it's changed my life uh, to present day. Well, Brad, I'm impressed because you know, talk about denial. I am still in denial over my disease and malfunctions. <laughs> Just denial, denial, right? And yeah. and I love that you bring up, uh, you know, surrounding men and and being vulnerable and really a- allowing yourself to 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 back off and and um, not want to take that control aspect. And uh, I. I do a lot of it, so I can relate in that level too. But biologically, men they they want to serve that way, and historically have done so. I mean, generation after generation after generation, they're the providers. They they fix things, you know. So the when when you address a man with a problem, they want to fix it, and sometimes it's it's not about fixing an issue, but it's it's maybe about either just listening or just a hug or a support or, you know, whatever. And, and we all have to learn those things. But I think that, you know, would you agree that sometimes things in our lives come up for us to have an understanding of that? I absolutely do. And once again, looking back on it now, I, I, I knew God and the spirit were, were at work in my life. It's just sometimes we don't understand it. Um, or most of the time. <laughs> most, well, all the time, right? All the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all the time, actually. Let's let's be honest. All the time. And even though I thought I had changed, I thought I was who I was supposed to be, I was nowhere close. And I think that's what this brought to me was uh, a, continuing, a continuation of, of me trying to evolve, but not knowing it in the moment of reverting back to being selfish and being in denial with Jacob and, and going yeah. through all those, of those feelings. And I remember the moment he was diagnosed. I mean, it was, it was, and I described it to, uh, I had a great conversation with an autistic adult today, but I described that moment with him as a death sentence and not only for mm. myself, but for Jacob. And a lot of people will, they don't like the, I guess the impressiveness of the word death sentence, but that's how that's a, that's a real authentic statement. Uh, I couldn't breathe. Uh, I cried for hours. I I didn't know what life was going to look like going on uh, for him or for me. But that's where that selfishness once again. It was more about me. Uh, how am I going to go forth and and raise an autistic child, and and how am I going to be the dad that I want to be? Uh, when when I perceived that everything was taken away from me, so it was a it was 
it was a harsh time for me. It was very dark uh, in the beginnings of his diagnosis. And, and it's something that I speak to fathers about now. Uh, I share that story because I want to protect them from going down that same path. Because I think a lot of fathers go down that path, but maybe never come out of it like myself. Uh, because it's, it's, it's a lot of work and it, it takes a lot of, uh, a lot of love from your family. Uh, Jamie, like I said, once again, uh, so strong, so strong because she never wavered. I mean, as soon as he was diagnosed, she jumped on it. She got his, she got his therapies in order. She got his, uh, IEP stuff, which is his, uh, individual education plan together. She got all the tools for Jacob to succeed while, while Brad, uh, laid in the corner, feeling sorry for himself, and that's mm. that's the that's to put it to put it lightly. Uh, so she really, really stepped into me, and I, I think that really, I like you know you mentioned a hug or some encouragement. Jamie really held us together through that part of our marriage. Wow, that is so beautiful, Brad. Thank you so much for this truly raw account of the feelings, the emotions, and and really describing in detail what that's like, because most of us do not want to go there. We don't want to admit the feelings that we had, that the feelings of this is a death sentence for me and my son. And and it's an extreme thought, right? It's it's an extreme perspective. And we go there. As, as human Absolutely. beings, we go there often, you know, unless we, we have this high emotional intelligence and we know what to look for and we know how to respond otherwise, but it, it takes a journey to get there. We have to go through some of this in order to really learn and understand how to react differently. And so I really appreciate that because when we, when we consider what other people's opinions are, and societal standards of, you know, if I thought this way and people knew about it, then how am I going to be looked at? And so much of us as human beings, like we have this immense amount of, of pressure because we want that acceptance and we want the peer peers to like us. And that is just, it's a basic survival a mechanism that we we all have, right? And so it matters to us. And that's where our identities come in and our belief systems. And when we go there, you know, and we're not thinking as clearly and we're thinking irrationally or in extremes, then we get this guilt and we feel awful. And then we feel like we're going to be judged or what have you. So I'm curious, Brad, because you you're showing up in the world, sharing your story, the book's going to come out where is it is in great detail. And I'm very curious, how did you even get to that process where, you know, you, you go from crying and, and feeling this real, this immense despair aspect of, of the future of yourself and your son to, I'm going to share my story. I think it was about four months into, uh, it was a whirlwind. Uh, and any, any parent that has gone through the process of getting a diagnosis, getting therapies, and it's, it is a daunting task. It is a lot of work, a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails, 
that's where the true av- you know avocation starts like you have to be all in from the beginning uh and but it took about four months and i, I think when the marriage started to sh- become strained uh my relationships with friends business different aspects started to become strange it was it was I started to feel like I wasn't the Brad who I needed to be. And I also realized that the people around me needed me because I've always been a leader type. I was, you know, quarterback in high school, um, you know, corporate trainer, leader, you know, rah, rah, rah kind of guy. And then at, at some point I was, I was in a corner and I'd never really been in a corner before. And, but I started to just dig deep inside. I started to get heavy into my prayers and then all of a sudden it came to me and I, and I tell this with all honesty, I, it came to me in my sleep. I, I woke up with the idea of, of how could I be the father that I want to be for Jacob and not in a typical way. And, and that's where the idea of uplifting his name and mm-hmm. being the, and being the advocate that he needs me to be not only for him, but for others just like him. And that's where Jacob's Audible really started to birth was when I started once again to get out of my way and make this about Jacob, but not only about Jacob, about others just like Jacob and other parents just like myself. And that's really when everything got into motion. And once, and my wife will tell you, most of my friends will tell you, once I get an idea, you better buckle up. <laughs> well, I can tell that about you, Brad. And the reason being is through your story, you initially, it, it took you two years to test your son because you were so headstrong about that. You know, you put your foot in the ground, you're like, no, everything's That's fine. Right. But then you, you're, you loosened up a little bit and it's like, okay, I'll, I'll meet you halfway at this, this two year mark. And we're in agreement with your wife. And, but what it also tells me about you is that when you commit to something, you're all in. And I can see that you've done that. You've gone from this, uh, really retracting and, and wanting to push your way and not accept a situation to really fully, uh, accepting it and engulfing yourself in it to expand upon not only your own personal experience, but the experience of many, many, many more lives, which is super cool. I love it. And so let's talk about where Jacob's audible. Now, what, what's the audible part? Where, where did the name again stem from? Like, I want to, I want to learn a little bit more about that piece. So once again, being a a huge football guy and, 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 planning Jacob's life to be a football player. Uh, I, I stuck with that theme as far as when I started to think about what I wanted to, what I wanted to display as far as an organization and obviously using Jacob's name uh, you know, for the you know pure namesake of it. But I wanted to change the way we looked at autism. We, I wanted to change the way we perceive I mean, just down to the word of autism, because what I did was I looked at it the wrong way. I looked at it as a negative. I looked at it as a death sentence. I looked at it as, um, you know, unsurmountable. It was, it was, I looked at it every wrong way you could possibly look at it. So when I started brainstorming the idea of audible, audible, audible is if any, there's any football fans out there, audible is when 
the quarterback on the offensive side changes the play if the defense looks like they will stop the play that is called. And I started thinking about that. Well, autism is the defense. So we could either go against the defense mm-hmm. the way they're lined up, or we can change our play. We can change the way we look at it. We can change the way we perceive it. And we can go on to score the touchdown. And that's kind of where it went from. It was, it was, it was an audible to change the play on autism. And then the other second definition really quickly is Jacob is at, at that point was nonverbal. He's slightly verbal now, but audible also means to listen and to hear. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the, the second meaning that Jacob's audible is we need to hear and we need to listen not only to our children, but to the people around them uh, to help us guide this journey that we're on. Brad, that is so awesome. And and we have a few viewers here live. I would love to know your comments on that because I think that is super, super cool. That's rad that, you know, you're you're very intentional on, on deeper meanings. And I think that's beautiful. And, you, you know, I met you at an event and I, I didn't have the opportunity to, to come meet you. And so we met virtually later on. But you know, you, you had, uh, that four, four, four hat that you're wearing now, and it is so visible from across the room. And it has a lot of meanings for, for people who, you know, like to look into a deeper meaning into things, which, you know, I, I'm a numbers girl. I like to be intentional about dates and numbers and things. And and when those start coming into people's lives, it's really, to me, a, a symbolism of things are are kind of shifting gears or you need to start paying attention to something because because this is your your life path and so I'm curious Brad now now you you shared with me the meaning of the 444 and we hit on it a little bit in the description of the show in the beginning but let's dive back into that and why don't you share with the audience about that and how we talked that you learned a little later on the the meaning of the numbers. Absolutely. This is my favorite topic or one of my favorite topics. Uh, so when I started a nonprofit, I, I started doing all the research and everything, and I was told not to do it. It was, uh, it was hard, is, is what someone described it to me. And I told them, well, having autism or being autistic is hard. I don't think this is hard. Uh, but so I realized at that point you needed money to uh to start a nonprofit uh to surprise anyone but i had all right i got to come up with a fundraiser and all right let's do something big okay brad's gonna do something big because this is for jacob and it's gonna be big so i started doing a little bit of research people do these long walks they do you know 5ks marathons or somebody walk across the country so i started digging in that stuff and i live at the end of the natchez trace parkway here in nashville and we traveled it during covid it was one of our, let's get out of the house and go take a ride. And I started doing some research and I'm like, I could do that. I'm not going to walk across the country, but I could do that. And mm. so I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk the Natchez Trace Parkway. And I leaned over to my wife. I said, I'm going to start a nonprofit and I'm going to walk the Natchez Trace Parkway. And she said, go back to sleep. <laughs> I was going to say, what did she say? What was her reaction? Uh, yeah, She told me to go back to sleep and I didn't. I got up. I started scribbling at the kitchen table. I still have all my notes. I still have all, I still have the original logo on a whiteboard for Jacob's Audible. Uh, 
because uh, yeah. I'm one of those guys. I save everything. Like you were talking about Jacob, really. I've saved everything that he ever wore or touched. Uh, <laughs> but so the the four 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 is the actual mileage distance of the Natchez Trace Parkway. It it travels from Natchez, Mississippi, back to Nashville, Tennessee, and it's 444 miles. And when I walked it the first year. I had a buddy, his name's Charles. He's a great friend of mine. And the day before I left to travel down to start, so I start at mile one, mile one's down in Natchez and uh, it travels back north. So the day before I left, Charles was like, you need a name. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, you got to brand a name. You're this guy that's going to walk for Jacob's Audible. You need a name. I said, well, what kind of name? He said, you need to be the 444 guy. I was like, all right. And it, and it stuck from that moment on. But then I went to the mall and said, if I got a name, I need a hat. So what am I going to put on the hat? And I was thinking, you know, just the the guy, the 444 guy. But then it just came to me. I was like, how about just putting three fours on a hat? Just three big fours, just to let people know that, you know, here we go. This is what it is. Now, literally, I know at that point how obscure the numbers were because I thought everybody knew about the Natchez Trace Parkway, but I should have known <laughs> because, because until I moved to Nashville, I had no idea what it was either. It's a national, it's a national park, which I guess we should know of it, but uh, it's, it's, it's the stepchild of national parks. My stepchild. <laughs> well, I, I hope the scenery is lovely during, during your walk. It is. It is. It, it, it travels through uh, some, several, several small communities, uh, but you do go through some big cities, Jackson, Mississippi, Tupelo, uh, southern Tennessee is very rural. And then not until you get back to the Franklin, Nashville area. But there's times when I do walk on a, it is a driven highway. I do walk on the white line facing traffic. So I do dodge a lot of traffic. But there's times when I won't see a car for 20, 30 minutes. And that's really when you can bend God's ear. And I remember a time from year from year one, uh, there was a lot of screaming, a lot of yelling. Uh, I was I was still angry at that point. Uh, I was still did not understand. You're talking almost a year later. And I still had a lot of questions I didn't have answers to. And yeah. and so that walk the first year, April, it it, it started to heal me. And it wasn't until about a weekend, and this is when the healing started, I got a text message from my father-in-law and he described, he said, do you know what those numbers mean on your hat? And I said, yeah, it's the miles that I got to walk and I'm only on day three. And he, he, <laughs> said, and he, and he, and he said, no, he's, and, he, and he sent me a little small article about the numbers reading, uh, representing uh, angels. There were angel numbers. And I, once again, had no clue. Uh, I hadn't looked that up. No one had spoken to me about that. And so I dug a little bit deeper into it. And, and that's something we could talk on forever also. But I, that's when I knew at that point, day three, day four into this first journey that I was where I was supposed to be. I said, this is this is what the spirit has led you to do. And this is where you're going to heal. I, I truly believe God brought me to the Natchez Trace Parkway, not only to, to raise money, not only to do do what we're doing in our communities and the work, but also to help Brad heal. And that's what the, the walk and Jacob's Audible has done for me. Yeah, I love that. It, you know, you definitely do heal. My husband always says, uh, motion creates emotion. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm such a blonde because in the beginning, when he told me that, I was like, I don't want to be more emotional. I don't want. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and 
and it took a, it took a little bit for me to really understand the meaning of that. And because I, I definitely know that, you know, when we move our bodies, it, it does, it releases and it does heal. And so that's why daily walks or what have you, daily movement is really so vital to our, our, our personal health. Absolutely. And and I had never walked probably more than two miles before wow. I started the journey. So, and, and when you train, I, I, I got the advice from several, uh, like people that did Ironmans and did some cross country stuff. And they, when people run marathons, they don't run to 26.2 miles. They don't train that way. They, you know, they run, you know, eight miles, four miles, 12 miles. And so when I trained for this walk, I still didn't walk 15 miles. I think the furthest I walked when I trained was about seven or eight. So that first day, you're like, I don't even know if I could do 50. <laughs> but once you get to that point of mile eight, mile nine, mile 10, I mean, the, the mind is, 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 it tells the body what to do. So if, it, if you can control your mind and, and remember why you're out there and what you're doing it for, uh, the steps, your feet just keep moving. And, and it's, it's the greatest feeling in the world. Now, there's days when uh, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> there's days when that road sure. seems a little longer than usual. But I, I, I also reflect back on, you know, there's days when Jacob's not doing well. There's Jacob, you know, there's days when other kiddos aren't doing well and they still have to get up and do everything they need to do for that day. And so I use that as my strength and my energy to keep going. And it's, it's like I said, it's been such a, a tremendous, like, high for me. I mean, they talk about a runner's high. I get a walker's high, I guess, uh, because it's yeah. not only about this. I feel like I'm walking. I'm not walking for myself. I'm walking for a community. I'm walking for a, a great cause. And right. and I'm, I'm hoping to inspire. And this is this is this goes beyond autism. It goes beyond the label of autism. Uh, it's an inspirational journey for not just, uh, you know, parents and kiddos. It's for anybody who's who's willing to watch and listen. Yeah, it's the it's the deep meaning, the deep why of when it's difficult to show up and, and it's difficult to keep moving forward when we have that remi remember, reminder, remember, when we remember that that is the, the reason why and that deep rooted uh, purpose, it's it keeps us driven to keep moving forward. So I love that. And, and just a, a personal question. Do you, do you let the facial hair and beard grow out kind of like Forrest Gump did? I did. I did. Year, year one, I did not shave. Um, year one, I did not shave. It was, it got to be, it got to be, uh, it got to be, I don't, I've never had a real thick beard. Uh, it got to be a little thick towards the end, uh, day 20 through 30. It, it, it started to itch a little bit. You get that first, that first, uh, long beard itch, uh, especially with the, it started to get a little warm and, and, and you start yeah. to sweat a little bit, but year two, I actually started doing speaking events and joining people in the community, uh, along the way, which is very exciting for me. Uh, year one was just like, I just walked it. I just, it was all about the miles. And now after year two, it, it becomes more of a community event. I stop in different cities along the way. And I did uh, several speaking events, visited uh, different autism therapies. Uh, Mississippi State has a huge, huge uh, applied behavior college. So when I went and spoke, I, I, I felt uh, I felt like I needed to clean up a little bit. <laughs> so I, I, I did trim it down. I did trim it up a little bit uh, year two, just so when I made those appearances, 
I felt that I wanted to be a little bit more clean shaven. Well, you know, it makes you wonder when you're committed to something for this long time period, like, what is that like, you know, like, what is that like with your breaks, with your food, with your, you know, so, um, and in our personal hygiene, right? So I was just curious, some aspects of that. Now, that being said, when you're talking about speaking, I know, Brad, that that is really a main goal of yours to, to start really shining light to this, to getting a lot more exposure of, to building more awareness of. And, and so that's exciting. And I met you at an event that was geared around right. speakers and, you know, being on stage and, and networking and being comfortable and that growth within entrepreneurism, which is what you're doing. So I think that's very cool. And, but I'm curious, Brad, outside of that, what is the, the, the big next audacious goals for you? What do you want to create out of this and, and bloom from this? So as we as we move into year three, I think you you really you really hit it when you said uh, you know take it to the next level. Uh, it's I think that year one uh, we kind of winged it. Year two we got a little bit better, but year three we're really trying to um, you know amplify the message, uh, get more exposure. Um, I'm not a big I don't have a lot of followers. <laughs> on social media. I'm not that, I guess I'm not that. Oh, this uh, is opportune time to ask for that. Okay. Here, here you go. Listeners, we need followers for Brad. And well, yeah. so let's share, how do, how do people find you then? Uh, so there's several different places you can go. Uh, Instagram, Facebook is, uh, you can look up at Brad Michelle, or you can look up at the 444 guy, uh, Jacob's audible, uh, at Jacob's audible on both of those. We're not on TikTok. Uh, not a Twitter X guy. Uh, so we keep it simple with uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook. But but to get on stage and, and tell this message, I think would, would truly be the next step for me. Uh, but ultimately, having others share the message, I think, is most important. That's why I'm so, yeah. so humbled and honored to be here with you because – these are the types of conversations that I want to be able to share with other people because I love doing knee to knee conversations. I love face to face, but there's only so many people I can get in front of. Uh, so I'm trying to encourage and with the help of other people to spread this message and, and spread our, our, our journey of recognition that would really, really help, uh, you know, continue our service in the community and what we do for parents and, and what we do for the kiddos. Well, Brad, I, I can definitely attest, I feel that your story alone and the way that you really go into that raw vulnerability is is super key when you start going out there. So bravo for that. I think that you're going to do exceptionally well with really being able to share this message in a very unique and powerful way because of that. And that's when people want to tune in and they want to listen because you're, you're meeting, uh, you know, uh, this, this raw aspect of, of human emotion that not everybody goes to. And I think that when you shine light to that, especially during these circumstances as, as parents, when we have situations or even ourselves and, you know, we, we need to share that with others and feel like we're not alone in the circumstance. So I love that you do that. You're going to do great. And thank you so much for, for saying that, that you appreciate these conversations, because as do I, it wouldn't be here if we didn't. 
Um, and again, I want to make sure that people know where to find you. You have a couple of handles, definitely the Jacobs Audible, but I'm going to bring in here the 444guy.com. That is one aspect um, that you can meet that uh, website. He has a a couple of different ways you can get to the Jacobs Audible website, but this is a really simple one, the 444, www.the444guy.com. Super simple, easy peasy. And, um, you know, just real quick, I would love to, again, Brad, touch just on, because again, I'm a numbers girl. When you learned about the, the angel numbers, which I think it's beautiful that you said your father-in-law called you, right? And you were kind of maybe snarky with him. You're like, yeah, uh, 444 miles and I'm only on day three. Hello. <laughs> so what, what did it, as you started researching a little bit more, what did it mean to you uh, as, as far as those uh, that maybe the, the angel messages or biblical messages, and you came to understand a different kind of meaning and how did that apply to the circumstances? So I think to come full circle from, you know, the, the journey I was on when I, when I first changed my life to becoming selfish again with Jacob's birth. And then now day three into this huge walk where I'm leaving my family for 30 days and not sure why I'm doing it or what I'm doing it for. It, it brought a calm to me because I'm all about alignment. I'm all about alignment. I think that the spirit will will show itself when it's appropriate. I truly, but there's a few things that if I see them during the day, I know that's the spirit telling me that I'm where I'm supposed to be. But when I when I read the articles about it, and I knew at that moment that what I was doing was was the right place for me. It was about serving others. It was it was something that you know, and God's got a sense of humor. And in the darkest moments of my life. I thought that my life was over, but little did I know that there was a bigger plan. And and God said, Brad, it's this is I'm, I didn't do this to to cripple you. I did this so you would help others. I'm actually going to use you and raise. You. And we know, you know, if, if there's any, you know, any followers out there, and I'm sure there's a lot that you know, God uses the uh, you know the beaten and the broken to do his work. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like I was beaten and broken at the time he asked me to start Jacob's Audible and he asked me to get on that road and he was, and he protects me too. And that was the other part was the scary part because I mean, those cars are zooming by and I, and in the world of text messaging, I mean, I do take a couple of steps off and the cars come by, but in, in the world of text messaging. So I also felt a, a certain calm of, of being safe uh, that he would protect me on that road um that year one um and since then i, I don't i'm not afraid I, I i walk very briskly not as fast as i should but i don't feel i've never had the feeling of of fear at all i don't have any fear of going out there i'm, I'm ready to do it again year three uh i'm excited now and i still got four or five months to go i love that well i don't know if i would say not as fast as you should i think it's all in the perfect timing and and i think that is such a cool testimony that you have here regarding all of that. And I want to just thank you again for sharing your story with us here today. Brad, thank you so much for, you know, being a guest. Is there anything else that you want to share with our audience today? 
Thank you, April. Uh, like I said, once again, I'm going to say it another, you know, one more time, humbled and honored to be on your show. I think it's incredible. And uh, I can't wait to keep watching uh, what you have coming in the future. But I want everyone to know that this, this story is is about inspiration. Uh, it's, it's, it's going to, it's, it has a incredible ending that hasn't been told yet. And I would love for people to come along and follow, uh, go to the 444guide.com, read the detailed story, uh, hit support the walk. Cause that's what this is all about. Uh, you know, helping us continue this journey. And, and if anyone has any ideas or any kind of creative, uh, projects that they'd like to do during our walk, uh, I have several people reach out to me that want to walk along. Uh, do a little bit of a documentary, uh, or or if you're in the community and and, and you know anyone that needs our help, uh, I I've traveled to different states just to speak to 20 parents, uh, and I'll do it over and over again. So if 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 you're out there and you need anyone, if you need if Jacob's Audible or the 444 guy could be of any help to you, please reach out to us. Give us your information. But more than more importantly, we're really trying to to rev up the support for this walk. Uh, inflation is there. The cost of the trip is coming is, is gone up. So if you could, if you could reach out and give us that support at the 444guide.com, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, that's what you mean by, by maybe not going as fast, right? So the number of days <laughs> on the road and the families on the road and you need the financial backing for that. So, yeah, I guess you better speed it up then there, Brad. No, <laughs> no, I Absolutely. think that's yeah. great. Yeah, uh, my wife, my wife, my wife said, you know, I've self-funded this thing for a couple of years uh, because we're a very young nonprofit. Uh, so that's a that's par for the course. But as as we as we get into year three, uh, we're just looking for more support. We're just looking to amplify the message. Uh, more importantly, amplify the message. But we think if we amplify the message, get everybody on board to follow uh, all the all those things will work its way out. Yeah, I think I think it's incredible. And I, I love that people want to walk along with you because it really just shows that you do have community support. And the more, you know, the more numbers that you have with that showing the support really definitely uh, is impactful with the awareness. And what I what I truly admire, Brad, also is that you're you're going out and you're speaking. You said, I've traveled to another state to speak to 20 parents. And how profound of an impact that could be for those families that are going through this experience that were lost and scared and pissed off just like you were because they're going through this experience. So I, I think that's truly incredible what you're doing. I, tr I truly appreciate that. And I remember when I, when I first came up with the idea it, and it was if I could help one family, it all started with if I, if I could help one other person uh, it would, it would, it would be, it would mean the world to me if I could just help one family. And now two years into it, we want to help five families a week. We want to help 10 families a week. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm all in, bring it on. I want to bring Jacob Saudable, the four for four guy to the next level. And, and let's see if we can't change the world of autism and change the way we look at it. Ah, that's awesome. Well, Brad, it has been amazing having you on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Thank you so much. Honored to have you to share your story. And for those of you watching, thank you so much for tuning in because without you, the show wouldn't be possible. We appreciate your support. You can always find all of the guest information in the description below. Be sure to check it out. And so thank you again, Brad.
Goodbye for now, hey, everyone. Then. And we will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome.